The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show. Uh, after last night's debacle, I, had, I still haven't heard anything from those guys. Um, I don't know what I don't know what's up. Um, the, the guy ran for president, and this is this is uh, whatever. I'm not even going to go into it. Um, but tonight we've got a great show. I'm really excited about this one. It was actually uh, in the works for a while. Uh, Lauren Kahn is a writer. She's a culture writer. She writes for a lot of places, including Reader's Digest, Health Digest, and others. And I came across an article, and I don't remember exactly when it was. It may have been uh, early December, maybe, maybe late November. I don't remember, but it was, uh, can, uh, can dogs see ghosts was the gist of the article. And I read it, and it was really quite interesting. Um, it was a light article, it, it, you know, and, and, and she featured a few uh, psychic mediums in, in the discussion and animal experts, veterinarians. And I got to thinking about this particular topic because I think we've all, at least all of us who have had pets, have had those moments where we see our dog or our cat, generally not our fish, but the dog or the cat anyway, kind of staring off into the corner of a room. And in some cases, if it's a dog, you know, maybe growling a little bit or even barking, uh, or their eyes are following something through the room that you can't see. You know, that makes it, it's very curious. A lot of times when we do in paranormal, paranormal investigations, we will find that some, those phenomena are often caused by something in the walls. The dogs and cats um, have a far greater sense of smell. We all know that. They can, they can sense these things, generally have a better uh, sense of hearing. And, Although we can't see, hear, or smell some a mouse maybe running through the wall, they can. So I would say a good number of those instances are caused by something that we can explain that way. However, there are times where that's not the case. So tonight we're going to be talking with Lauren uh, about this article that she wrote. Plus, we're going to have Christy Robinette on. Christy is one of the psychic mediums that was featured in the article. And Christy has written a book about this very topic. It's called Tales from the Afterlife. Tales Tales being T-A-I-L-S, which I think is a really clever title, by the way. Tales from the Afterlife. And we're going to talk about animals and the paranormal, the crossover, not just in the sense that can your dog or cat actually see a ghost that you might not be able to see, but let's talk about animals uh, on the other side as well. And we're going to get into all of this tonight. Plus, we're going to talk to Lauren about some of her other work. She's written about Ouija boards. She's written about uh, crimes that have been solved and mysteries that have been solved by psychics. So we'll touch on those topics as well. But we have a lot to cover with these two terrific guests, and I'm looking forward to this conversation, and I have been for quite a while. Uh, be sure that you to subscribe to our channels. I, I always kind of stumble into this because I, I, I forget that I want to say it, and then I remember last second. But go to YouTube, uh, subscribe to the uh, J.V. Johnson channel. It's easy to find. Go to Twitch, subscribe to our channel there. Both of our channels um, serve a different purpose. The Twitch channel is, is uh, although we do stream the weekday show there, it's primarily for our weekend stuff. And uh, our YouTube channel is primarily... Well, it's got two purposes. It's our it's our mainstream for the weekday program. However, it also serves as our archive, our video interview archive, where we keep our show. If you don't subscribe to the podcast version, you uh, you have an archive available to you in the YouTube channel as well. There's like I don't know seven hundred programs there, something crazy. 
A lot of shows there. As always, our chat room is very active and very busy. Thank you to all of you in our chat room for being here. I appreciate it. It it helps me smile and um, a lot of great insight there, too. I love when I say something that I know I don't have an answer to, I can look to the chat room and somebody gives me the answer, which sometimes makes me look very, very smart when I know, in fact, it's not me. But I'll take the credit for it <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> anyway, um, all right, let's go to break. Uh, we'll get our guests with us, and we'll begin having this conversation about uh, the paranormal and animals, particularly our pets. It's beyond reality, and we'll be right back. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. How many times have you been in, in the living room, right? Your your dog is lying on the bed next to you, behaving wonderfully. You're watching, I don't know, reruns of Seinfeld or something, and all of a sudden the dog looks up into the corner and maybe growls a little bit, right? That makes you wonder what's going on. Is the is the is the dog responding to something physical or maybe it's something spiritual? We're gonna have that conversation tonight. We've got two terrific guests. Lauren Kahn is a culture writer. She writes for Reader's Digest, Health Digest, and other publications and online uh, periodicals. We also have Christy Robinette. Christy is a psychic, a medium, and an author, author of several books, including Tales from the Afterlife, Tales being spelled T-A-I-L-S, very clever title. Uh, Welcome, Christy and Lauren. Great to have you both on the program with us tonight. Hi, thank you. Great to be here. This is Lauren. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited about this conversation because this is one of those things that everybody who is a pet owner particularly has experienced at one point or the other. Behavior in an animal, in a dog or a cat primarily, that you can't quite explain and you just kind of wonder to yourself, are they seeing something that we just can't pick up? But before we get into that specifically, Lauren, I want to I want to talk uh, a little bit about your work, just so people know who you are. You you write about a, a lot of different topics, a lot of different things, in a lot of different places. Give us a kind of a, a synopsis of your work. Well, um, that that's pretty much you, you you hit the nail on the head. I write <laughs> about any basically anything that um, that interests me or that um, my editors tell me might interest other people. Um, so I, I was a lawyer for a number of years, so I can write about anything legal and business related. But my favorite thing to write about is culture, um, things like things like this. About I write a lot about dogs. Um, I write about history and historical mysteries, the, the royal family. It just you name it, I've written about it. And uh, the paranormal. In looking through a lot of your articles, I see these paranormal themes. Uh, popping up now and then. We're going to be specifically talking about this article that you wrote about dogs and ghosts. However, uh, you've written about Ouija boards. You've written about mm-hmm. psychics. Uh, is there some confluence in your life that uh, brings your attention to these paranormal topics? I have always been interested in the paranormal. I've been watching The Twilight Zone since I was a little kid. Nice. I've had my own Ouija board since I since as long as I can remember. Um, when I was in college, I, my friends and I learned how to read tarot cards. It's just kind of been part of me. So I've gravitated towards it. Interesting. Christy, I want to find out a little bit about you as well. Um, you're a psychic medium. You're also an author. You've written a lot about these topics. When did you first start recognizing your sensitivities? Oh, gosh. I was about three years old when I had spirits that were coming to me telling me information. And I think I have a similar story that a lot of mediums tell, you know, with the childhood encounters. But I was raised in a very religious household that anything to do with 
Ouija boards or tarot cards or ghosts or anything paranormal was considered satanic. So, you know, what a what a great complex to have, you know, at three years old growing <laughs> up and, and giving predictions to my parents, including one that my grandmother was going to pass away. And suddenly my grandmother passed away oh, wow. and they looked at me a little bit more serious and a little bit more stranger. And at four, they marched me up to the local Lutheran school and said, let's get her some religion and get her busy and get her a little bit more um, straight lined. I always say that they tried to get the demons out of me, um, jokingly, and uh, it's never gone away. I'm, I turned 50 in 2020 and I haven't been able to get those so-called demons out of me. What is it about um, families uh, that I guess we'll call them religious families that uh, seem to have this fear of this particular phenomenon. I grew up in a Catholic family, and I had this. I encountered the same thing. Um, you know, my grandmother. You you mentioned ghosts or any of these things, and she just would hear nothing of it. Uh, what is it about religion and the paranormal that is in such conflict in many cases? I think it's fear. I think it's exactly that. That the unknown, when you can't explain something, that that it's spooky. It's scary to not have that black and white connected to it. And I don't know if Lauren's got another sort of insight with it as, as being a writer and a journalist, but for me, I think that it's just pure fear. And then they didn't know how to help me, you know, so there was no mentor. And I was, I was born in the seventies and there was such a stigma with anything to do with mediums or psychics. It was really kind of like an SNL you know, ha-ha type of a thing with the crystal ball and the Stevie Nicks slowing down, <laughs> you know. So I don't think that they wanted their daughter to grow up to be that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know much about your family, obviously, but did they ever come to terms with it? They didn't. Mm. My, I, my, father actually lived, my father actually lived with us, my husband and I, and every once in a while he still is, like, screeching his television, telev- evangelical, mm-hmm. you know, stuff as if to still try to get to me. I did before my mom passed away. I did get to sit down with her. I was working at that time on a really horrible um, police case that was unsolved. And she was very concerned about me working on this case because uh, the criminal was still out there and he was kind of chasing me. It's kind of a book that I could put out there and I oh, haven't. Wow. Um, myself, and I was able to sit next to her, and she knew she was dying, but she said, Christy, if you know things, can you tell me if I'm going to die? And what a horrible thing to put on me. Yeah. You know, and I, of course, I said, no, Mom, you're going to do great, knowing that she wasn't, but I, I wanted her to fight anyway. So I think she was mad at me for a while when she crossed over. Wow. Well, that's, that is a heck of a burden. Uh, on your your shoulders and and just a horrible position to be in. Lauren, you write about so many topics. This one obviously caught my eye for a lot of reasons. We talk about these things on this program often. How did it catch your eye? How did ghosts and dogs catch your eye? Well, I had a um, a very special pet, Louis the Beagle, um, from 2004 until December 2019 when he passed away. And... It, it, it hit me really hard. It hit my whole family really hard, especially my younger son. Um, and I just started giving a lot of thought to the paranormal in relation to dogs. I had never really, I had never really thought about it until I lost Lewis the Beagle. 
Um, and then a few months later, I ended up I ended up adopting Lucy the Foxhound, and <laughs> I feel like with her, I'm I'm very conscious of of her connection to the spirit world. I'm always like what you described in the beginning about you know your dog suddenly growls at something. I'm very conscious of that with her, so I've been very fascinated with it, and you know it it leads to me writing about it. First question is, do you include the breed in the name of your dogs? Like you say, Lewis, the Beagle. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that part of your <laughs> yeah, naming I nomenclature? <laughs> I, well, because I give my dog, because I like to give my dogs human names. Uh-huh. So I feel like if I say Lewis, they might think I'm talking about like my uncle or something. Uh, or Lucy, sense. I don't know what they're going to think. So I say Lucy the Foxhound or Lewis the Beagle. <laughs> that makes and, and they've always been, I mean, and Lewis actually had his own blog on Huffington Post. Oh, wow. Oh, very <laughs> yeah. accomplished. Um, he was a famous Beagle. What about your experiences with the paranormal? Have you had anything uh, happen to you, whether it was as a child or an adult, uh, that you would point to being uh, at least maybe curiously paranormal? Um, I mean, I feel embarrassed saying this like in front of Christy because she's the real thing and I'm, you know, I'm just me, but I feel like I can sense things that are happening. Um, Mm -hmm. or I I don't, how do I explain this? Some, someone that I cared about passed away recently, uh, very recently in early December. And, I didn't know he was sick. He kept it from people. Mm-hmm. And for like for like the last month or so, I was feeling sick and I was not well and something was really like really eating at me. And then I found out that he passed away um the night of my birthday. Oh, it wow. just seemed oh, no. <sighs> I I it's things like that mm-hmm. where I just wonder like is there something that I know deep down is there is there an intuition mm-hmm. well first of all sorry for your loss that's obviously uh, no time of year is a good time of year to have a loss like that but particularly around a birthday and around christmas time that's really sad i'm sorry to hear that um Thanks. but christy that brings up an, an important point as well because in your work you recognize that there are people like yourself that are very very sensitive and very in tune with this and then there are people like me, who I, I, I'm like as sensitive as a brick. And then there's people like Lauren who kind of think, you know what, maybe I'm connected to something here. I don't really understand what's happening, but something's happening. Yeah, I love that everyone has their own gift and their own ability to tune in or not tune in. You know, I often call it a muscle, you know, that you can work on or not work on, you know, and I think that some people are a little bit more naturally born with it, just as if they're naturally born with a musical gift or they're naturally born with a sportsmanship gift. And I think that there is a special sort of breed of people who are more empath. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're psychic, but that's what Lauren talks about is that knowing or that feeling or taking on physical ailments or taking on emotional ailments of somebody. And that is probably one of the toughest gifts. A lot of people consider it a curse because sometimes you don't have an explanation until after it's already been validated. And it it makes you feel like you're crazy, especially if you're more of a black and white type of a person that wants that 
uh, that validation in the moment and there is no validation. And I think that like for you, even though you might not necessarily not, not that you're not open because obviously you do the show, but that you might be a little bit maybe more skeptical because those yeah. that are skeptical, you know, have seen a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of frauds you know, in, in mm-hmm. the business and there's mm-hmm. frauds in every business, mm-hmm. but there's an awful lot of slimy people, you know, that, that cross boundaries because of the desperate side of this work. So I think sometimes we put out those barriers up as well. And so I think I love that the world has all of these different individuals. That's what make the world, the world go around. And I love the, the skeptics and I love the ones that, I work with law enforcement. You know, law enforcement, they are definitely not opening me with open arms <laughs> yeah. most all of the time. They are they are the ones that are like, prove it to me. Right. So I, I think that that's great because there is a lot of crappy people in this, in and, this, uh, or, or take this on. And, and Christy, you say, you know, um, you know, it's like a muscle and the more you use it, the better you get at it. But you were, you kind of were just uh, like hit, hit by it like a truck, uh, three years old, and you had communications coming from the other side. That's not easing into it. No, and I tried to wish it away. I mean, I went to parochial school. I married a skeptic like my father. I knew he was cheating on me. I divorced the skeptic like my mm-hmm. father. Oh, boy. Um, and they had two beautiful kids with him, so I have absolutely no regrets with sure. that. Mm-hmm. But um, it really honestly wasn't until I met my now husband, who, like, I, it was a blind date, and he's like, what do you do for a living? And I was working a regular type of a job. Like, I do have a college education, and I, I didn't, you know, embrace this you know, right away. And I, instead of telling him what my corporate title was, I said spirit medium. And it was like somebody from the other side must have hit me in the back of the head and I spit it out. I don't even know how I said it. (laughs) And he looked at me and goes, cool. Can you pass the ketchup? And I'm like, wait, what? Like someone isn't, you know, say, give me a reading or prove it to me or something like that. So when I surrounded myself with people who um, didn't second guess me or who believed in me is when I really kind of flourished and I was able to feel comfortable in my own skin. And I think that goes with anything in our life. You know, like I said, if you want to play the piano and everyone's like, Oh, you shouldn't play the piano. You're going to suck at the piano. And then you finally, someone says, Hey, that's cool that you play the piano. You do better at playing the piano. Talk about a bit of a, an uncomfortable situation to be a guy going on a blind date with a psychic. <laughs> you, you can't keep any secrets and you've got no mysteries going in there. Uh, that's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, relationships sucked for me, honestly. Like, that's a sitcom right there. You know, the uh, the first dates with Christy. That was that was pretty brutal, for sure. Um, Do you want to hear something really honestly. weird about that? Like, a coincidence? Yeah. I have to tell you. The, per, the friend of mine who passed away, one of the first anecdotes he ever told me was how he went on a date with a woman who told him she was a psychic. Oh, my gosh. Oh, isn't that weird? <laughs> wow. That must be a heaven hello, though, for you, Lori, because I don't normally share that story. So oh, my that's God. Pretty, All right. That's I pretty interesting. That. <laughs> All right. I've got to ask you, Christy, yeah. you just used a phrase that I'd never heard before, a heaven hello. Tell me about this. Yeah, I think we, every day, every day in our life, I think that we're getting these kind of heaven winks from the other side, and it might be a song on the radio that we haven't heard in forever, but makes us conjure 
a memory of someone that we love that's crossed over or, you know, a, a cardinal that we used to always tell our mom, oh, if you, if you go, you know, if you pass away, always send me a cardinal and you haven't seen a cardinal in forever. So I think that we're always gifted these heaven hellos, um, and we don't always pay attention. I mean, we're so hooked to our electronics right now that if we're distracted, you know, from everything, you know, it's hard to pay attention to that for sure. So sometimes people will mention their name, and it's someone that, again, you know, reminds you of somebody that had passed away that you love. Or um, it's not coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences, especially mm-hmm. if it happens more than once. Lauren, did Lewis the Beagle uh, ever look up into a corner and stare or, um, you know, maybe just keep looking back, giving you the impression that something's there that you can't see? No, but Lucy the Foxhound does that. (laughs) (laughs) See, Lewis the Beagle uh, was not, I don't feel he was that spiritually, while he was on this earth, I don't think he was that spiritually in touch. I feel like I, I feel like he's here with me now. Um, but Lucy, Lucy the Foxhound is extremely spiritual. And I think she has, she's connecting with things that I have no idea what she's connecting with. And then she looks at me with these eyes and I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? You want to tell me something, (laughs) but she won't tell me. When you set out to write this particular, first of all, how many, how many articles do you write a week? Is it one a week, 10 a week? Oh my God. Um, let me think. Well, so, like on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I usually write about five altogether. Oh, wow. So I, I, do, I write news articles on Wednesdays and Thursdays. But the rest of the week, I write about one a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually take about one, maybe a day off a week. Wow. I'm trying to cut back. I'm, I'm a workaholic. I'm, yeah, trying you know, the heart, to, I'm trying to cut back. What, what little I know, and I, I used to be the publisher of a magazine, a paranormal magazine, and I know how difficult it is. The writing is one thing. It's coming up with the ideas to write about. That was the challenge for me. Same for you? No, I'm, um, I'm like a pitch prodigy. Uh, you know, I'll come up with like 20 pitches a day and send them to my editor. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I think, I'm so weird. Like, that's so weird of me. Like, that I have so many ideas to write about. And they don't all get picked, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm creative. So I'm always coming up with ideas. When you, when you decided to write about dogs and ghosts and the paranormal, uh, did you go into it with any, any preconceived ideas or notions? What were your beliefs, maybe, about ghosts when you sat down to write this article? What I was thinking, I was really looking at it more as a a writer and how I was going to get the story across without making myself sound like I lacked credibility. Like, and I wanted to. Christy told me this amazing story, which I mentioned in you know in the story about a dog who um, played played with his the spirit of his owner um, after his death. I wanted to be able to tell that story without people thinking, oh, who are these people? Like, who's, who's this Lauren Kahn and who's this Christy? You know, like, what? <laughs> but they're crazy. Why are they telling me this? Um, so, so that was, so it was not really my own cynicism. It was my fear of other people's cynicism. So you had a fear that people, because, you know, again, you write about a lot of different things and you're not writing for paranormal journals. You're writing for mainstream journals. Um, 
so you were afraid that you're going to present this information and people are going to say, uh oh, Lauren has kind of lost it here. Exactly. I mean, when I write, I write about conspiracy theories, I'm, I'm always a little bit concerned that people are going to think that I believe all the conspiracy theories. Right. I only believe like 75% of them. Um, yeah, I, I think. But what were your what were your thoughts about ghosts? I mean, you talked about feeling like you have this, uh, you know, psychic connection at times or these premonitions or whatever you want to call them. Um, but what about ghosts? I really, I want to believe in ghosts. So I'm, I'm already predisposed to wanting to believe that there's something out there and that there's something to connect us and that when you're gone, you're not really gone. Yeah. Um, but I, I just want people to, I want, I want, I want people like Christy to prove it to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to disprove them. I want them to prove it to me. I want them to, to show me convincing evidence. So I got really excited when I was writing about um, the psychic, you know, crimes solved by psychics, because it was very obvious to me as I was listening to those stories that the police didn't want to believe it either. Right, right. And they had to. And it seems to me, and, and I don't know if, if this is true, Christy, you can tell me if it's not, it seems like the police, law enforcement generally want to keep the na- the word psychic out of it, so they may rely on psychics, but they don't always say that they do. Yeah, I'm typically just called a consultant, uh, so huh. it, there is nothing new agey that is mentioned. I, I was working one really, really kind of a tough, case with um, a child that was taken from her home and it was horrible and he had me undercover interviewing the people that he thought were responsible and I look at him you know and shake my head you know they're not these are not our people mm. and he, they would get mad because they they want to solve the, the, the crime and this is who their hunches are you know right the evidence is, is posing that this is who they should be going after. And they've got this, you know, person who is, you know, not in the world of criminal justice, but still gives so much credit, you know, to our law enforcement officers. And I'm shaking my head going, you are on the wrong path. And sometimes it's not black and white. This particular case was really strange because this little girl came to me in spirit and said, it's the one that has the white cap. So, you know, how are the police supposed to go door to door, you know, and search for a white cat, right? Like, that's not really evidence. Uh, Christy, did did you say cat or cap? Yeah. Cat. Cat. Okay. Cat. So, we think that that's maybe how they got her out of the house is they said, you know, I'm looking for my cat or, you know, come look at this cat. And so she kept saying, it's the white cat. And they're, you know, and they're angry with me. The the police are like, we can't search every house and search for a white cat. Well, it ended up this person, the the person that ended up murdering this young girl went to prison and he finally confessed and they went to the house of where his wife was and what greeted them at the front door, a white cat. And they were, you know, they called me up. And again, you know, sometimes you get the validation and sometimes you don't. But they're like, well, how in the world, you know, would we ever know that? So, but I'm like, I'm talking to a four-year-old little girl and that's what her focus is on is the cat, not her death, her brutal 
murder, but the cat. And um, so mm. I always want to prove, you know, things in a black and white type of a way. I, I was working one police case, and I and they wanted that black and white. We want you to give us evidence. And we want to see the evidence. And I can't snap my fingers and, you know, here's here's the spirit, like a hologram, you know, out of Star Trek <laughs> or something. Like, that would be really cool if I had that gift. And I, unfortunately, that's not realistic. So I thought, what am I going to do that I can give them black and white, like, evidence? And I went, oh, I'm not a fan of Ouija boards, but I'm going to get a Ouija board. And we'll do, <laughs> I'll see if I can conjure her spirit to help me with this Ouija board, right? So I buy these Ouija boards. They're like 30 bucks. They're expensive. And I have, <laughs> I won't bore you with, I'm not a fan of Ouija boards, so I don't really want it in my house anyway. I had problems when I was a kid. But we bought this, my husband and I bought this Ouija board, and we go in this conference room. We have all these law enforcement, and I protect myself, and I protect the Ouija board, and I protected it so much that it didn't work. But I got all of this information that helped them, but they still were really pissed that, like, the planchet wasn't, you know, moving and, you know, nothing was happening. And I thought, well, I wanted my $30 back, right? <laughs> so I go back. I, I take it to the customer service desk the next day, and they're like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. I and I, I imagine that um, that spirits and, and ghosts don't respond to subpoenas either. You probably can't use the legal <laughs> no. system in your favor there. Um, I want to get back to this conversation about the investigations and, and helping criminals uh, or helping uh, police with with criminal uh, uh, solving crimes uh, because I know Lauren has written about that. But let's go back to this pet idea, Christy. You have written extensively about animals and the afterlife and the paranormal. And we're talking about a couple of different things here. We're, we're talking about one live pets or animals being able to uh, sense the paranormal or ghosts or spirit activity. But we're also talking about animals being able to cross over and being on the other side uh, just as a human would, right? Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, born into a religious household and being told in school and home and church that, you know, pets, don't have animals don't have souls therefore they do mm. not cross over to the other side and it angered me so much because i i will put this out there in the beginning in fact i think i told lauren this you know when she pitched me you know do you have any information about this i'm like i am not a pet psychic i am not dr <laughs> doolittle i don't talk to them in that way there's great animal communicators i see them and i sense them and i get information from human guides but I don't like talk to them like some animal communicators do. So when I wrote even my book, when my publisher was like, can you write this book? I kept going, I feel like a fraud myself because I, and I don't know how many times I wrote in the book, I am not a pet psychic. I sense the, these animals. And, um, but I thought, you know, heaven is what we, what the, all the things that we love. Why wouldn't we be gifted our pets? on the other side when we cross over and why wouldn't they that they gave us so much love be given the opportunity to go to the other side and be able to protect us and love us from the other side and that's exactly what i see do you so picking up on that idea there is are the pets and their souls there on the other side because we will them to be or are they there on their own volition i think a little bit of both um you know, I, I don't think that, you know, if you hate spiders, you're not going to necessarily create your heaven with a bunch of spiders. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. 
no spiders for me. But if you love spiders, then you've got spiders in your heaven. You know, or if you took care of a pet tarantula, then your pet tarantula is going to be there. But I think it's a little bit of they're gifted that opportunity to continue to have that afterlife to make you happy and because they did make you happy. Lauren, in the article, um, when you were writing about this and you were researching this, what characteristics did you uh, determine would be indicative of an animal, whether it's a dog or a cat, but primarily a dog, because that's what the article's about, uh, noticing some kind of paranormal activity. What signs would somebody be looking for to see if their their dog is actually sensing this stuff? Hmm, that's Okay, so I, I, I went at it from a slightly different perspective, mm-hmm. which was that all dogs are, it's like the opposite of what Christy said, too. Like, and I always thought that all dogs, had some capacity for seeing the paranormal, for, mm-hmm. for perceiving mm-hmm. the paranormal. I don't know if it's seeing. And I actually also thought that, that if there's a spirit world, dogs are definitely part of it. But um, I think, I think what, what people notice, what, like what, what makes them suspect that their dogs are, are interacting with the paranormal, paranormal world somehow is that their dogs, will react to something that you can't see. Right. It, um, like, I've seen my dog, I've seen Lucy the foxhound play bowing with nobody there. And I've wondered, is she playing with somebody, somebody who's who I can't see? It's stuff like that. And and, and I would assume, Christy, that, that um, you probably have... Either, if not seen personally, uh, similar uh, behavior in an animal, but certainly heard stories, or because you've you've talked about this. Well, I think that even our pets grieve. You know, if they lose their companion, their their furry companion. If you've got two dogs and one passes on, I think that they definitely see that. Or you add one to the household, like Lauren talked about. I believe that they're almost. Um, you know, they're, they're given the, the look over, you know, to make sure that they fit the family just well. And they're, they're given the, the thumbs up, the, thumb, the paws up, you know, that it's okay, you know, for them to, to also be part of the family. So I believe that they do have that capability of seeing. They're not told that there's no such thing as ghosts. You know, right. dogs, if you were to tell them that, they would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I, so they live in that alpha state of being without worries, like we are consumed with as humans. So they're just like kids who have that capability of seeing beyond the veil. And so, yeah, they they play with, they see, they sense, they growl, they get protective. They do all those things that that is what their job is for us humans to be in. And in the article that Lauren wrote, I told a story about um, a, and I don't know, this always makes me cry because it's a true story, mm-hmm. is a widow who had, a, they had a loving dog. This dog was like her and her husband's child. Like this dog got treated like a, a king and the dog's name was Elmer. And Elmer started sleeping on the late husband's side of the bed soon after he passed away. Like he was like, I will take over as you know, your, your human, if you will, I will take care of you. 
And as time went on, Elmer took to running to the front door in the evening exactly at the time that his dad, you know, her, her widow, mm-hmm. um, would, would have come home and would greet this unseen visitor at the exact same time and never did it, you know, never did it in, you know, for anybody else, you know, at any other time. And it was almost, it was so much proof to this widow that it was definitely, you know, that routine that she needed to see out of an Elmer needed that as well. So I think, you know, we've, we've had the encounters. A lot of people have felt their animals jump up on the bed, mm-hmm. you know, or rub against them, or they'll hear their ball, you know, move or the jingle of the collar. And there isn't another, you know, animal in the house that's doing that. That's, that's making that again. I like to debunk a little bit too. So Lauren, when you hear a story like that, as somebody who's obviously cared deeply for a, a pet dog, um, how does that make you feel? Um, well, as I was listening to what Christy was saying, I was just thinking dogs are really the perfect spiritual vehicle. Um, even if you're even if you're a cynic, you can't deny that dogs have some they have some degree of extra sensory perception. Yeah. They they see and hear things that we can't see and hear. They smell things we can't possibly smell. I mean, even at this, the very concrete level of of senses, they they're more powerful than us. They know more than us. They can tell, they can read your feelings. They have more, much more empathy as a rule than humans do. They, they read things instinctively. They don't have to process it with thought. So it just makes me think, you know, but the, the more, the more we talk, the more I'm realizing, of course, it makes sense that, um, that, that dogs can see ghosts. Of course. We um, have uh, a very active chat room, and a couple of questions have flown through there that I want to ask before I forget them. One of them I I thought was quite insightful. Uh, We were talking about uh, souls and crossing over, and we were talking about humans and animals both doing this. Um, The question was, is a human soul different from an animal soul, or can that soul be an animal in one life and a human in a different life? Any thoughts? Uh, I'll, I'll, let's go start with you, Christy. Any thoughts on that? And Lauren, if you want to chime in, please do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of us say, you know, I want to come back as a cat or a dog because it's it's such a, an amazing life where a lot of them are treated better than. I mean, my kids have accused me of giving my pets better Christmases <laughs> than I've given to them. So, you know, possibly. Um, I, I, I believe in past lives, and I believe in the ability to come back into this life. I will never say never. I I don't have all the answers. Um, I think that our pets can come back as a new pet. I don't necessarily think that our dog that we lost is going to come back as our grandson, but I'm also not going to say for, for real set in stone that that cannot happen or that will not happen. What do you think, Lauren? I mean, uh, I'm with Christy on that. Yeah. Um, although I would, I would put me a little bit less cynical in this case than Christy. For some reason, I, I've always believed that souls don't know, you know, whether they're humans or, or dogs or whatever. That I, I don't know how it's determined where a soul goes, but 
Yeah, I mean, when my children, both when my, when my children were born, I felt like I knew them in another life. And maybe that's just because mm. I'm a mom. You know, maybe that's what all moms think. <laughs> but Lewis, Lewis the Beagle, yeah, I, I felt like he reached a very high level of heaven just in living his life with us because he started out, um, he was a stray, and we rescued him. Oh. And he lived in New York City. And he was okay in New York City. He liked it. He was happy to have a family. But then we moved to the country. We moved to upstate New York. And he was just the happiest dog ever. Like, if you think about how, how fortunate he was, I feel like some, mm-hmm. he must have done something really good yeah. in a past life to have earned such a good life. Lauren, I've got to ask you, I, how far upstate New York did you move? <laughs> Not very. I was in Westchester County. Uh, okay, um, I, I only call it upstate because I feel like everybody else calls <laughs> I'm in Cooperstown, New York, so I'm I'm really upstate. Oh, you are really upstate. I was yeah. in Bedford. So yeah, <laughs> that okay. doesn't really count. I'm sorry. I was Did, in Westchester. That's okay. Did you want to add something to that, Christy? Oh, I was going to say that I do believe that our pets can also be our soulmates. You know, that we have those special connections with them and that you can often, and I've had people say, you know, I feel like this is an old man. You know, I feel like this is, you know, a young female, you know, spirit, you know, that's in my dog, that's in my cat. And so I think that that's where sometimes people are like, well, of course, this was probably, you know, a a little house in the prairie type of a female that lived. And that's why one of the reasons why we name them, you know, human names. We feel like we need to humanize them a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're talking tonight with Lauren Kahn, culture writer, and uh, Christy Robinette, psychic medium. Um, Christy, I know your website is your name, ChristyRobinette.com. Lauren, before I want to change the subject, but before we do, where can people find most of your work in, in the easiest way? The easiest way to find my work is to Google my name, um, or, or maybe Google my name with the word writer next to it, um, because that that's going to pull up all my work. It's just... It's going to pull up indexes of my work, like all my work for Reader's Digest, all my work for Health Digest, all my work for Eat This, Not That. I also write about food, believe it or not. Yeah, actually, some of the articles you'd written about food, I'm reading some of these these headlines. I'm thinking, oh, boy, if I read this, I'm going to have to change my diet. I don't think I can do this tonight. Uh, Oh, no, no, you don't know. I don't change my diet at all based on what I write. So nobody, no one who reads my stuff will either, I'm sure. Well, then I'll feel guilty about it. That's almost as bad. Um, Christy, you offer uh, private consultations and stuff on your website in addition to access to your books? I do. Yeah. I'm on pretty much anywhere everybody, you know, is on social media and such. But yes, everything is pretty clear cut on my website. We've started talking about this topic already, but I want to revisit it, Lauren, because you wrote about it. Um, I think the, the, the headline for the article, the name of the article was 10 Chilling Crimes Involving Ouija Boards. Now, Ouija boards have a bit of a, and, and, and Christy hinted at this as well, in paranormal circles, circles you either love them or you're afraid of them. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of middle ground with these. A lot of people say that they are portals to allow things into your world that you don't want in your world. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the article uh, that you wrote, 10 Chilling Crimes Involving, involving Ouija Boards. I feel like the the overarching theme there is that Ouija boards are 
it's like it should be a professional tool and amateurs are using it. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything, you know, real about, I think it, it's made Parker Brothers, you know, it's made by a game company, right. Ouija board. Right. So it's like an imitation. It's like playing with a toy gun and pretending you're a cop. I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's very, it's like pretend, it's pretend. Mm-hmm. Unless you are a psychic, unless you really do have that spiritual inclination, in which case a Ouija board would be great, but maybe so would just putting your hand on a photograph. So would, you know, so would a crystal ball. I don't like, I feel like a, a Ouija board is an external thing that. Yeah. 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 A lot of people will say that it's just a tool, just like any other tool. It could be the same as tarot cards. It could be the same, as you said, as a crystal ball, or it could be the same as, um, you know, a a spirit box. Any of these tools that that paranormal uh, investigators or people trying to talk to the other side might use. Christy, what do you say about Ouija boards? Yeah, I think it's an intention. You know, if you're intending to conjure or communicate with whomever, well, you're probably going to get a a low vibrational energy that's going to come through with that intention. Um, I, I like to overprotect myself, even if I'm doing a paranormal investigation, and that is probably stemming just from my upbringing as well. But um, and 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 issues that I've had, you know, hitchhikers and and such from the spirit world that has followed me home, or that I've helped other people because they've uh, been followed home or had menacing issues happen from them. But I, I, I'm i not a fan, but I also think it's intention. You can pick up a deck of tarot cards and still have an, a disability of, you know, sensing or seeing or feeling or experiencing or getting a message because you might have protected yourself. So I, 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 I guess if you don't, if you don't want to mess with fire, you know, then don't mess with fire. If you want to mess with fire, you're going to maybe get burned. Uh, Like, I think the difference between the Ouija board story and the psychic, you know, psychics helping detective story is, is just in the context. Like, most of my Ouija board stories are people using Ouija boards to, to, you know, to lie and to, and, you know, make up, make up ways to fool people into, I mean, Yeah. The one the one that I think of the most is, you know, the woman who killed off her competition mm-hmm. um, using a Ouija board, like a, a crazy scheme. And most most of the stories in the Ouija board article are that sort of story. But detect when detectives use psychics, psychics are there to do good, not to do harm. I just think it's, it's a different context. Sometimes. Well, right, right, right. I'm talking about real psychics. I'm not talking about, you know, the con Here I am sounding there. very cynical. Sometimes. <laughs> Lauren, the real ones. Lauren, I like uh, in that article about Ouija boards that you wrote, you uh, you work with Bob Murch, Robert Murch, who's a good friend of mine. Um, and, oh. and probably the, the world, maybe, the world's biggest uh, Ouija board and expert and, and collector. He's got an incredible collection of Ouija boards. He's amazing. Yeah, and yeah, he, he brings it around to events that I do. Um, and I'm always amazed at what he what he has and what he's found, and what a great guy. So I was excited to see that. Um, but you know, as far as as far as a portal to demonic activity, is there any truth to that, Christy? 
I think it's, again, low vibrational. You know, if if you don't want somebody to break into your house, then you're probably going to lock your door at night or when you leave. It's the same thing with the spirit world. If you're going to allow yourself the opportunity to talk to just about anybody, and it depends on where you're at in your life as well. If you're in a low vibrational space, if you're going through a lot, if you've had a lot of grief, if you've lost your job, if there's, you know, you're using alcohol, if you're using drugs, whatever in that low vibrational plane, that frequency, then you're, you're playing with fire. So, I mean, could it be demonic? Sure. It's, I think a lot of the cases that I've had paranormal, I've only had a handful that were really demonic out of like thousands of other cases that I've been called on. So the percentage is super small, but it doesn't mean, you know, try to, try to find one you know right. it's not hide and seek <laughs> right um let's talk about uh, again uh, a topic that we've touched on a couple times already you wrote about it lauren i think the, the i saw an article that said 13 mysteries actually solved by psychics but you I guess you had a maybe an updated one that said 20 mysteries yeah, actually solved uh, by psychics exactly i added a bunch more because um they're just they're they're always coming out of the woodwork what does um an officer say, Christy, to you when they want your help? How how does that process work? Depends on the officer. If they've been, you know, asked by the family for my help or if they are open, Um, a lot of officers are empaths themselves or they have their own psychic hunches, but they'll call it, you know, the, the gut. You know, I feel it in my gut. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of times they will test me and I'm okay with that. They will hand me cold cases that they don't have information on that isn't connected to the case, or they'll hand me solved cases to see what information I get on that as well. I, for the most part, um, I've had amazing law enforcement officers that I've worked with. I've had some also that are a little bit ego bruised because, they don't want to use a tool, you know, such as myself. And I get that as well. They spend tons of man hours working on these cases. And I come in and say, you know, this is the person and this is why, and this is where the body is. And this is it. And, you know, so it, 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 it doesn't necessarily bode well sometimes. I would say that uh, despite the fact that the three of us and probably most of the people listening to the program would agree that this is a this is an interesting and effective way to help solve a crime, you probably can't take a psychic's word to a judge and get a get a uh, get a, an arrest warrant or something with that, right? I mean, I, I imagine no, it doesn't work uh-uh. that way. No, I think there's only been one or two cases where that has been the case. Uh, even one of the major cases that's been written about me, most of the cases that I that I work on, I sign confidentiality agreements that I will not mention the case, or I'll be very vague with the case, or or I, you know, I won't go to the media. And this actually was one of the cases that I think readers I just picked up with was the Ashley Holly case. Someone mm-hmm. actually broke the news that I was searching with for her body in the park with with law and with um, family. And I still, to this day, I, I actually know who did it. I shouldn't say I don't know who did it, but it, I did not break. I didn't call media. But by the time we were done doing a search, media was at the entrance of the park. And um, and that actually could have damaged the case. 
So for most of law enforcement cases, I try to stay very incognito and I don't do this whole, oh, hey, look at me, I'm working on this case because, one, it could be damaging. You don't know who's going to try to get information right. from you. Or I've, I've had the killer outside my door when my kids were very young, and um, I, I thought I we were all going to be murdered. Oh, I've had some very scary, frightening experiences. So I don't like to play cop. You know, I, I love that we have them and, and they are experienced with how they do things and what they do. I mean, I can I can give you the legal perspective on that. Please um, do, yeah. In order to get a search warrant, you have to have probable cause. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any case law out there that says that a psychic's opinion, no, no matter how how esteemed that psychic is, I don't think there's any case law that says that that's going to give you probable mm-hmm. cause for a search no. warrant. But what it can do is it can lead you to find things, which is, I believe, what happened in the Ashley case. Ashley Howe. Um, isn't that right. what happened? You guys went searching? Um, Correct. Yeah. You, you knew where to search. You didn't know. You couldn't tell them everything. But, you know, you get hints. So you can use those hints let me, let to, me get to, to yeah. develop your probable cause. Yeah, so you can actually, uh, Christy, you can actually help the the investigators. You can kind of point them in the right direction, and then it's up to them to find whatever you know burden of proof they need to be able to take it to the next step. Exactly, and and that's what you hope that you're actually you're a little bit of you know giving them a shortcut, you know, because you're giving them the information to point them to where they need to be looking instead of looking at all of the aspects. That You're saying, look over here. Hey, look over here. Them. Right. Right. Um, has it ever been used uh, against law enforcement in the sense that, say, and I'm just going to you know, throw a hypothetical out there, that you know, a defendant is in court and uh, the defense attorney says, these guys used a psychic to get this information. This is all hooey. I haven't encountered that, but I have encountered, I was working on a case, and they were sure that this said person was responsible for a murder. And I was for, I was working with the prosecution, and I was like, I do not think that you have the right person. And they ended up turning me over to the defendant. And um, I helped actually get the person that they had in custody out of it and oh, helped wow. them prove that that wasn't the person responsible for the crime. So you were able to help exonerate somebody. I was. And I mean, that was my moral compass. I'm like, I cannot let this. But they were like, well, he's a bad guy and he's probably done something bad in his life and we're just putting him away for something. But it wasn't for that crime. It drove me crazy. And um, yeah, I I worked with actually a bunch of different, the innocent acts agencies and such to help get him uh, out of prison. Wow. Uh, when you wrote the article, Lauren, or, or the articles, because you've written about it a couple of times, were you surprised at how, how uh, maybe not common, but certainly um, how many of these cases have been affected successfully by psychics? I was, I was at first surprised that there were, it doesn't seem to me like there's that many that people are willing to talk about. So I, right. I guess, I guess what I noticed more than anything else was, what I mentioned before, which is that there must be psychics involved with a lot 
of cases, Mm -hmm. but no one hears about it. It just wouldn't do well, you know, it, it wouldn't do well with the public. So they have to use what they have to use. The, they use the psychics because they know mm-hmm. that it, it could help, but they're not going to tell the public, oh, and we're talking to psychics and that's going to solve this crime. Do you think that's changed at all? And I'll, I'll start with you, Christy. Um, you know, there's been a shift in attitude about some of these paranormal discussions since reality TV has exploded with these paranormal shows. Um, I was involved with one for many, many years, so I've seen it firsthand. You know, these discussions about ghosts and spirits went from a backroom discussion to a dining room table discussion. And, uh, you know, so attitudes have changed a little bit. Do you think the attitude is changing in law enforcement a little bit? Um, A a little bit. I I think it also has kind of put a lot of people out there who think that being a psychic detective is a cool thing and that they might get a reality show out of it. (laughs) So they contact people, you know, they contact Mm. the the front, front, you know, page, you know, murder mystery that's there and they contact law enforcement and law enforcement has an obligation to pursue every tip that they're given. And sometimes it does make them go on a wild goose chase. So I, for for some degree, yes, and for some not, because they're like, oh boy. I mean, I mean, we saw it in paranormal investigation as well. Everyone thought, okay, I'm going to get a ghost hunter show. That's right. You know, because I ghost hunt, I'm going to have a camera crew following me. Yep. So yes and no. So yes and no. What What do you think, Lauren? What do you think about that? Has it changed? Has the attitude changed? Uh, I don't. Not so much. It's it's. It, it's more. It's, it, it does have more entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Look, let me just say that I, I think that spiritualism. I know it goes back a long, long way. And when I said that I, I write about the royals, one of the things that one of my favorite things to write about was Queen Victoria and her interest in in the paranormal and wanting to contact Prince Albert after his death. I mean, this is this is people have been trying to, to conjure up spirits for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. So I think people, my guess is that people wish that they could have proof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've often talk about that as well. And we talk about the American civil war being a real catalyst for people yearning to reach out to loved ones that they've lost. And in many cases, you know, these people went off to fight the war and, you know, and in some cases their family members never knew what even happened to them. Um, You know, so it was a time of, and it was since it was Americans fighting Americans, you know, the amount of American grief, it touched everybody. And therefore it really uh, added fuel to the spiritualism movement and this effort to reach out to, uh, to the other side, particularly with things like spirit photography, you know, all that stuff that was happening is pretty, pretty interesting story in itself. Christy, what's your advice for somebody who might um, either be involved directly with or have, you know, a friend or something where there's, you know, a missing person kind of case. Do you recommend they reach out to a psychic if they're not getting um, any, what they would consider to be progress from the law enforcement community? I know some of these, you know, cases exist. Sure. So my, my personal protocol is I will only work with police officers. So I ask that the family contact the lead detective and either give get permission from the lead detective that they can talk to me 
or that I talk to the department, but I always ask for either an email from the detective, some sort of evidence that they're giving you approval, because sometimes the agencies have more information that they're giving to the family, and they're waiting for something else to be uncovered, and I definitely don't want to jeopardize the case. We see so many of the shows that are 48 hours, you know, and everything is solved. And the realistic perspective is it's years that some of these, sometimes they're, like you said, they're all unsolved. There's so many of them. Um, so I, I work with missing persons cases. I work with different agencies. And I work free of charge because I feel that's a whole other story I won't bore you with. I had an attempted kidnapping when I was eight years old. Oh, and I feel like because of my my situation and because I was saved from from that, that it was actually a serial killer from that person <gasps> wow. that I can, I know, sorry, sorry, sorry to drop that bomb on you, <laughs> wow. um, but I feel like it's my gift to give back. So I don't, I've gotten, been accused of, you know, taking money, you know, and because a lot of people, they'll, they'll give their life savings, you know, to get information. And that's where I get that cynical side of it, where it's like, no, it's it's about helping. And yes, we have to pay our bills too. However, in situations involving a missing person or a, a, an unsolved, you know, mystery like that, I think it's it's if we've got that gift and we're able to give back, that that's what we'll do. So, absolutely, I I have helped on cases, but I always personally, I don't know what everybody else is that that do what I do you know, what their, what their rules and protocols are. But I always ask that I have the police's, um, police officer's blessing, if you will, even if they don't believe in me. I just want them to be okay with me giving information because what that family is going to do, right, is they're either going to be a vigilante and they're going to go after the, the person or the people or right. the, the, the information that I give them. And I don't want that. I don't want them to get harmed. Or they're going to give it to the law enforcement officers, and I don't know if it's going to be the telephone game where it's misconstrued with what I said. So I'd rather go right to the source, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and I want to ask you about one other thing that you mentioned, and and I've got no argument with what you said. In fact, I think it's an important point to make. There are some charlatans in this line of work, just as there are in any line of work. Um, Sadly, Often these charlatans in this particular line of work can play with some real emotions uh, that you might not find in another business or in another uh, place. How do you recommend people um, discern if they're looking to somebody for help, whether it's for a, a, a crime or if it's just some kind of personal consultation or trying to reach a loved one on the other side? How do you recommend they determine whether they're working with somebody that they can trust? I think references, you know, word of mouth is, is so, I mean, everything is on the internet, right? You know, and, and everyone's got an opinion and everybody's, everybody yelps everything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that it really uh, honestly is, you know, looking at reputation. I've had very smart people who have, you know, just gone to like Chicago or New York and, you know, decided to stop it up at a palm, you know, get their palm read. And they were given information that preyed on their desperations. And I've had them call me and say, well, this person says, you know, I'll never find love if I, if, if I don't give them, you know, $6,000 right. or $20,000 <laughs> or what. And they're very, they're like VPs of corporations. 
And they're like, should I do this? And I'm like, no, what? Wake up. You know, there's some people that are really good at preying on that, you know, so if it's, if it sounds like it's crazy, it's crazy. Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. We've heard those horror stories of people. And then, you know, it starts out a couple hundred dollars and turns into, and and a lot of times they'll, they'll say, I see an attachment on you and we've got to get rid of this evil attachment, whatever it happens to be. Um, Christy, you, you can be reached through your website, right? ChristyRobinette.com. And if people want to book uh, private consultations or, or connect with you, that's the way they do it? Correct, yeah. I'm very blessed. I have a great clientele. I, I book probably about eight to ten months out. Oh, wow. That's great. So yeah. um, I, I'm, and I've had people say, so you don't work much, right? I'm like, no, I work like six days. That's what poor Lauren, when she's like, can you do this radio show? I'm like, I actually have clients in the morning. I don't think I can. You're gonna, I'm going to sound like I'm 104. I got to go to bed. I'm very persistent. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so, but ChristyRobinette.com is where you can reach me, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm very accessible. Well, uh, thank you for being here. I have another question for Lauren. Uh, uh, Christy, if you want to go because you have clients, I'll let you go <laughs> because it is late. And I, But I do appreciate your time, and I do appreciate you being here. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Happy New Year. Thank you, Christy. Christy. I just want to ask you one more question, then I'll let you go, too. Uh-huh. Well, Lauren, um, one of the things I did notice, and you actually just mentioned it, which I think is kind of funny because I have it. It's my last question for you on my list here, is mm-hmm. you write a lot about the royals, about the the English royal family. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the appeal? Because I've never caught it. You know, I didn't watch Princess Diana get married. I don't watch any of that stuff. Um, but there are people that really, really are fascinated by this. What do you think the appeal is? I, I think for I think there's two ways of looking at it. And my, the way that most people look at it, like the people who love Princess Diana and and the Queen, and that, that's about the excitement of, of riches and monarchy and, and fairy tale stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I like the historical stuff. I'm fascinated by Queen Victoria. That's my thing. Um, Queen Victoria is kind of my obsession. Um, and I, I basically, everything that I study about the royal family somehow dovetails off of Queen Victoria, who she was related to, who, who her predecessors were. Um, and I think, I do think that it, it, it makes sense since Victorianism, the Victorian age is very connected to spiritualism. So I, I see why it would appeal to me. Um, we've seen a lot of what I would guess would be considered turmoil in the royal family recently. What do you make of all of that? And I wouldn't really be able to tell you the details. I just know that somebody left the royal family. And mm-hmm. gave, what happened? Yeah, what happened there? And what's that all uh, about? Um, well, this is what happened with Meghan Markle. She was an, she's an actress mm-hmm. um, and she married Prince Harry, who's Prince, who's, Princess Diana's younger son. Mm-hmm. So he's not, he's, he's an heir. He's a successor to the throne, but he's not, um, he, he's not going to be king. It's, it would be, it would, a lot of people would have to die for him to be king. Um, Megan is a, is a woman who's of mixed race. She is not what, the, you know, the British people tend to be used to. Mm-hmm. She's also quite a, a, a force of personality from my understanding so I just don't think it was a good combination. 
And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to come back. I don't know right. if, you know, she and, she and Prince Harry are living in L.A. now. Which yeah, didn't, is they, a, didn't they just sign a Netflix deal? Didn't they sign like a Net, Netflix uh, development deal or something? I heard that. Something like um, that. I yeah. guess it's true. I mean, I, I feel like they're they're dancing very close to celebrity. Mm-hmm. But there's, I really don't, I don't think that's a problem. It may be a problem for, for, for the, for the royal family because they like their privacy. They like to have control over how things are, are portrayed. Right. And I think with Harry and Meghan, they're out of the fold, so they're kind of wild card. But it's really no different from when the Duke of Windsor left, when, when he, um, he left he stopped being king and he went and married an American divorcee. And I think they had the same issues with him. They just, they they couldn't control him anymore. So there was tension. Right. Um, It's all fascinating stuff. Again, um, I really appreciate you joining us tonight, Lauren. It was a great conversation. We went all over the place, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to keep an eye on your work. And if something else comes up that looks like we might want to talk about, I'd love to have you back on the program. Oh, me too. This was great fun. Thank let, you. And let folks once again know where they can find your work. Um, well, they, they really should just Google me, Lauren Kahn, C-A-H-N, and all my work will pop up. Perfect. I know. I don't have a website <laughs> because everybody, because all my, you know, all my media outlets have an archive of my work. Right. So. Right. Makes sense. Well, again, thanks for being here. Lauren, have a, a happy new year and uh, look forward to having you back at some point. Thanks. Great to meet you. Great talking. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.